0: Jeremiah chapter number 8. There's some very familiar scripture in this chapter, but many times we read one verse in this chapter and we read that one verse and we neglect the, the rest of the verses around it, but there's a great, uh, great message in Jeremiah chapter number 8. There's a great context in the Word of God and we find Jeremiah was the, the one that was known in the Bible as the weeping prophet. He cried and he mourned over the people, he mourned over Israel, he mourned over the shape that their country was in. And in Jeremiah chapter number 8, he gives us all those reasons. And we see in verse number 18, we'll begin to read there, but we see that he begins to cry out unto God and we see that he looks back in the preceding verses from 18 back to verse number 1 in chapter number 8. We see that he looks back and he looks at all the sin of Israel and he looks at all the things that they were doing. Jeremiah was a prophet that he preached and he never seen a convert. He never seen anybody come and, and, and say thank you Jeremiah for preaching the word of God. He never had anybody come up and pat him on the back and say you're doing a good job. He never had anybody come up and say boy I sure enjoyed that message this morning. But still yet yeah, he preached and he preached and he preached and he continued on for the cause of Christ. Because he's seen a need among the people. In verse number 18 he cries out and he said when I would comfort myself against sorrow my heart is faint in me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people I am hurt. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the help? Of the daughter of my people recovered. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank You this morning, allowing us to be here. God, we thank You for the privilege, Lord, that You've given us. God, allowing us to be able, God, to come unto Your house. We thank You this morning, God, for every blessing, God, that You so richly bestowed upon us. And God, we pray this morning, Lord, as we look and, God, as we endeavor in the Word of God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you hide us behind the cross. I pray this morning, God, that we'd be able, Lord, uh, God, to get in that special place, God, where You're at this morning. I, I pray this morning, God, that we don't stand here, God, in the flesh. but God, I pray, Lord, that you God, take us, God, to another the world. And God, I pray this morning you'd help us, God, Lord, to be here, God, Lord, that these folks don't see me, but Lord, they see you. And God, I ask you this morning, God, you'd remove every hindrance, God, from this building. God, I pray that every evil thought, God, every idle thought, God, anything, God, that may be, God, roaming around in this building, God, don't need to be here, God, I pray you'd remove it, God, right now, Lord, that the Spirit of God might have free work, God, in this place. And Father, we give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for it all. God, save that sinner, God, that's lost and undone, Lord, without you this morning, God, that one, God that's in a far country. God, that one that's afar so far off this morning, God, I pray, Lord, they come back to you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jeremiah begins to cry out and he says when I would comfort myself against sorrow my heart is faint within me. As Jeremiah begins to cry out he begins to cry out my friend and he's in a time in his life when he's very sorrowful he's crying out because of what's going on around him. And as we begin to look in chapter number 8 and he begins to tell it there in verse 19 he said because of them that dwell in a far country he looked around and he's seen his people he's seen his nation he's seen his friends he's seen his family He's seen those around him. He's seen those that he went to work with, that he went to school with. He's seen those that he went to church with. And he said, they're in a far country. He said, is the Lord not in Zion? He said, Lord ain't over yonder. He ain't in the far country. But the Lord is in Zion. And he began to weep and he began to mourn because his people were so far away from where God was. And God was so far away from where they were. And he wanted to see those two brought back together again you see jeremiah he had been around long enough he had read the, the books of the old testament he had seen a time and a place when god was with his people he's seen a time and he's seen a place in history when god had blessed his people and god had blessed his nation but he seen now there was a division among them he seen that they had been separated and it wasn't god's fault but the people had went into a far country and they had went into a place friend that was far away from the Lord. You'll find in verses 1 through 3, in verse 3 he said, in death shall be chosen rather than life, and all the residue of them that remain, this evil family. He says there they cho- they was choosing death rather than they was choosing life. We see, friend, that they would rather have those dead things of this world than they would have the Spirit of God and to have those things that are alive. We see that all across our land this morning. That Folks would rather have death uh, than they would to have life. Uh, they'd rather have a dead service. Uh, they'd rather have dead singing and rather have dead preaching uh, than they had to have somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, we are talking about the meeting back there in the prayer room that's going to be going on in Graham County uh, uh, this week. And we are talking about the singers that's going to be there. Uh, and Brother Danny made the statement. Uh, he said, I just want to see somebody climb up there uh, that's full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I say amen. Uh, it's time, friend, that we get to the place where we want something that's alive we want a preacher that's alive we want singing that's alive we want a Sunday school class that's alive we want to come to church we're tired of the dead things of this world I don't like death to you death stinks friend I don't like anything that's dead I want something that's alive when I come to church and I want to say to you friend Jesus is alive and well so if you want life this morning it's just within arm's reach it's just within the reach of you praying and asking God to send it. You can have a live service. You can have a life that is alive. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I'm saying you can be walking around this morning, breathing. You can be walking around this afternoon. Walk up to the dinner table and eat. Have full range of motion in your body. But still, yet on the inside of you, you can be as a dead man. Because, my friend, the inside of you's never been quickened and never been made alive by the life of the Lord Jesus. Christ. That's what folks would rather have. They would rather have death on the inside of them than to have Jesus make life on the inside of them. Friend, they'd rather have death in this world. They'd rather have a dead community and a dead county than they had to have life. Friend, I want something that's alive. You know why people don't like life? Because you can't control something that's alive. You can't control somebody that's alive. We're living in a society where they won't control over everything. Huh? And they won't control over everybody. Huh? You can control something that's dead. Huh? You can do what you want to with it. Huh? You can carry it around. Huh? You can bury it if you want to. Huh? You can throw it in the river. It don't matter. Huh? If it's dead, you can do whatever you want to with it. Huh? But honey, something that's alive. Huh? You can't control it. Huh? You can't contain it. Huh? Because there's something, friend, that springs up on the inside of it. Huh? That begins to make it fight for what's right. Huh? There's something on the inside huh? that makes something that's alive when it seems danger down in front of it it'll begin to run the other direction that's why they want dead churches that's why they want dead preaching and dead singing because it can be controlled you cannot control somebody that's been birthed into the family of God and sealed with the Holy Ghost of God on the inside of them you can't control them because they've got somebody bigger than you living inside of them the Bible says you need not any man teach you but that same anointing friend will teach you all things. Friend, when you got saved by the grace of God there was something on the inside of you that became life and it rooted out that dead part that was inside of you and that part that became alive. It give you an instinct that when something ain't right that you'll flee from it. It gives you an instinct that you are to be controlled by the Holy Ghost of God not by your old want and your old desires, not by the lust of the flesh, but by He the Holy Ghost. Friend this morning Jeremiah looked and he's seen over there in chapter number 8 he's seen a land and a country and a people that wanted death rather than they did life but he goes on down there and he sees them in verses 4 and verses 5 he said and they shall fall away and not arise shall he turn away and not return he's seen a people that had fell away from a place that they used to be and they refused my friend to return He said there in verse number 5 He said why then is the people Of Jerusalem slid back by perpetual Backsliding they hold fast Deceit they refuse To return I say this Morning friend if there's something Alive on the inside of you They ought to be a want to if you realize That you're falling back You're not what you used to be You're not in the place you used to be with God You're not as close as you used to be You're not on fire like you Used to be maybe you just don't have the zeal like you used to have they ought to be a desire on the inside of you to get back to that place and maybe even go a little further than where you started out with God but my friend we look around us and we see a people that holds fast deceit. they are deceived in the notion that it's okay that we're cold and indifferent it's okay that we're not alive it's okay that we don't rejoice in the Lord it's okay that we don't worship God it's okay that we do what we want to do that's what you call refusing to return refusing to get to the place where God can root out what don't need to be in your life and God can put in there what needs to be friend the closer you get to God the more you're going to find out that these things on the inside of us that God needs to take out and he needs to replace them with his goodness and with the things of God the closer you get to him the more you're going to find out about yourself and I want to say it's a scary. Everything when you find out more about yourself. Ernest Ammon's old preacher man, he told a friend of mine a statement and he said he prayed that God would reveal unto him more of the Bible and he got down in years. He's got feeble in years and he's got time to read and time to really study and he said he began to read the Word of God and he said God answered that prayer and God revealed unto him more of the Bible and he told that friend of mine he said boy he said I didn't like what I was reading because it showed me more more and more where I had sinned and come short of the glory of God it showed me more and more where I'd messed up it showed me more and more where I'd done wrong I say to you the closer you get to God the the more you're going to find out that we're not exactly in line with God but I'm glad when we get close to God and we've got a willingness to to get back to the place a willingness to go on further friend I'm glad when we realize how bad we are that's the first step in getting it fixed you've got to realize that you lost. You've got to realize you backslid. You've got to realize you're not right with God. And then God can help you. Those EMS people that we've been talking about, they're never going to help you Do you call 911. Hey, some of you this morning, you need to throw up the 911 flag to Jesus and say, I need help. I need you to help me. The ambulance is never going to come until you throw up the flag. The fire department's never going to show up. I mean, it would have been a shame if Brother Danny and Miss wanted to let their house burn down over a chimney fire it would be a shame this morning saved person for you to let your life melt down around you knowing that you can get the help that you need not calling on Jesus and not getting what you need this morning it would be a shame lost person to die and go to hell slip off into that awful place knowing that Jesus had made atonement for your sin knowing that he had give everything that he had just so you might have life and have it more abundantly You need to throw up the flag and say, here I am, Lord, help me. Help me. He goes on down in verses 7 and verses 8. Verse 7 mainly, he says, he says there, Yea, the stork in heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. He had noticed they people there, they was unconcerned about the time. They was unconcerned about their life. The, 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 the animals of the kingdom, they realized, friend, that their days are short and that their days are numbered. But Jeremiah said, my people they do not observe the coming of their time they do not observe friend that they're here one day and they're gone the next friend I could preach on time I like to think about time a lot of times I like to think about how God gives us a beginning date and God gives us an appointed time that we'll leave this walk life. and friend we've got that little space that's in between those two days and my friend it's up to you this morning what you're going to do with the in between God give you the start and date and God gives you the ending date but it's up to you this morning what you're going to do with everything that's in the middle are you going to use it for the glory of God or are you going to waste it away Bible says redeeming the time for the days are evil for in that little space of time the Bible says it's but a vapor it's just a small space of time that is fastly fleeting away I look at that space in my life and I don't know how long I'm going to live but I feel like that little dot that's in the started out over here. I feel like she's moving rather quickly under that ending date. Friend, I don't know this morning about you, but what little bit of time I've got left. I want to spend it for the glory of God. I've wasted enough years in vanity. I've wasted enough time for this world. I want to spend what little bit of time I've got left just praising Jesus for saving an old wretched sinner like me. I want to spend what little bit of time I've got left doing everything I can do to win some sin. Or to the Lord. They was going about their everyday business not observing time. Friend you can get caught up in your job You can get caught up in your hobbies You can get caught up just in everyday life uh, And you can forget that your life is rolling off Uh, If you watch a clock You will notice that that second hand It never stops moving Uh, It is constantly moving Uh, It never stops and never ceases for nobody Uh, Friend so is your life Uh, It never stops Uh, It never ceases for nobody Uh, It don't matter what you're doing Uh, It don't matter what's going on in your life Uh, The fact that time is Rolling on never ceases in your life. He says in verse 8, How do you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly is vain, is vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord and that wisdom is in them. Jeremiah noticed the people that have become wise. Ever learning, yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth as the New Testament writer penned it. They was wise in, in their knowledge and in their head knowledge. They became very wise. But because they became wise, they rejected the Word of the Lord. Friend, there's nothing wrong with being wise. There's nothing wrong with being smart. There's nothing wrong with an education. But friend, we need to put God in the right place. Amen. Amen. We need to put God where He belongs and that's first and foremost in our lives. I I say we're living in a country and I ain't got nothing against the schools. I ain't got nothing against colleges. But there's a community college in every city. There's a big university nearly in every big town. And friend, we have neglected the Word of the Lord. Amen. Come on church. That's the truth. I, I believe that we need education. I, I understand the Bible says, I, my friend, that my people perish for ignorance. I, but it wasn't for ignorance of this world. I, it was ignorance of the Word of God. I, there's nothing wrong with educating our children and God expects us to do that. I, but friend, it's it's all boils down I, to what kind of wisdom we're teaching them. I, are we teaching them the wisdom of this world? I, or are we teaching them the wisdom that the Word of God gives? I preached some time ago, preaching preaching about our Bible that we use, about why we use the King James Bible. And I was preaching about about how uh, we're living in a society that is very ignorant as to what it used to be of the Word of God. There was a time in history when young people they were raised up on the word of God, they learned that first and foremost before they ever learned anything else. Now we've got a society that is trying their best to keep a Bible out of their hand, trying their best to keep the word of God out of their hand, trying their best to make safe zones. If somebody's going to talk about Jesus, they can go into that safe zone and they don't have to be they don't have to hear those words. They don't have to hear what that speaker's saying. I say God help us this morning. How listen, we've got a blessed country, but we need to get back to the place where we're not so worried about how smart we are. And we're worried about what God is going to give us and what God is going to do with us and what God wants to do in us. He said there they became wise, but they became fools. They became so wise that they became fools friend over there the New Testament writer I quote you that verse said they're ever learning yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth wouldn't it be a shame this morning to be a literal genius uh, and to know the great things of this world uh, to be able to solve a math problem uh, in seconds flat Uh, wouldn't it be a shame to know the works of Shakespeare uh, and those writers uh, but to not know that Jesus died for you uh, and to not know that you can have life uh, not know friend uh, uh, that Jesus gave his precious life uh, that's you that are dead in trespasses and might live through him wouldn't it be a shame this morning to go through this world and be a literal genius but friend to slip off into eternity and not knowing the one who created everything that you know about wouldn't it be a shame this morning to know the great scientific things but friend yet never know the one who created this very world It seems. he says there, therefore will I give their wives unto others and their fields to them that inherit them For every one of them, the least, even under the greatest, is given to covetousness. They had become a covetous people. God had blessed them and God had given them so much. And I began to look, I began to read this and study this as God laid this on my heart. And I began to look at my life. And it seems like the more I get, the more I want. And the more I have, the more I try to obtain. We've become a covetous people. We look at each other and we judge the success in somebody's life by what kind of car they're driving, by what kind of house they're living in, by what kind of tires they got on their vehicle, by how much money they've got in their pocket, by what kind of wristwatch they've got on, by what kind of cell phone they're carrying. We judge somebody's social status and the success that they have brought in their life by monetary standards. I say I'd rather see somebody living with a dirt floor in their house but they're raising their children to love God. And there's a man that gets up on the hillside and he prays and seeks God on the behalf of others. I say that man's got more success in life than the CEO of the biggest company in this world. I say that man's got more success than that one friend that's got money coming out of his ears. Listen, this morning we're a covetous people wanting more and more and more, but yet it never satisfies the wants. It never satisfies the desires of our heart. My friend, you can have money and money comes and money goes but it will never satisfy the desires of your heart. And God knows that we need money. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I say, God owns the hills too. God owns the grass that the cows pick. God owns the river that they drink out of. God made the very seed that that cow started from. My friend, listen, God knows what we have need of. And he said, I've never seen one of mine hungering and begging bread. It's time that we quit worrying about where we're going to get our next meal from. Hey, listen, God said he'd take care of all that. If he can send his disciples out and say take nothing with you take neither script nor save he said don't take anything with you he said I'll provide I'll give you what you need I say the same God that was God then is God today and he'll provide our every need if we'll be willing to trust him He provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness. He provided manna for them. Then when they got into Canaan's land, honey, they started eating off the corn of the land. I say when you eat off of God's corn, you don't want to go back to the wilderness and eat off of that manna friend. When they began to eat that corn, the manna ceased. God had provided for His people. And God will do so in this day and in this hour. The deceitfulness of riches becomes something that captivates our minds. There's something in our minds and in our human flesh that there's just something about this life that we want what everybody else has got. Then when we get it, it we ain't happy. Amen. We want what everybody else has. I hope when people look at me, they don't want the house I live in. I hope they don't want the car I drive. I hope they don't want the money in my pocket, but I hope they want what's on the inside of my heart. Because everything I've got, everything else I've got is reserved under fire and judgment. Everything else I've got is either going to rot down and decay or God's going to burn it up one day. But friend, what I've got on the inside of my heart, I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. God give it to me. And honey, because God give it, it is eternal. It'll never pass away or fade away. It is eternal this morning. He said there in this very familiar verse, he said they were were they ashamed when they committed abomination nay they were not at all ashamed neither could they blush therefore shall they fail among them that fall in the time of their visitation they shall be cast down saith the Lord they come to the place where sin was all around them abominations of God was all around them yet did it bother them no it didn't bother them did it bother them when sin was here and sin was there no it didn't bother them when it was out in front of them so therefore when it came into their life. And sin became on their doorstep. And they began to be the one that was caught up in sin. Did it bother them then? No, it didn't bother them then. I say if we get to the place where it don't bother if this sin is out in front of us, it's not going to bother us when it comes to our own life. It ought to bother us when we see sin going on. It ought to bother us when something's going on around us. That is an abomination in the sight of God. It ought to bother us, friend. You say, why, preacher? Why would it bother you because this is my country this is my nation this is the land of the free and the home of the brave that Austin Frady was born and raised in that God saw fit to put me in and friend when I look around and I see my folks and my people I see them committing an abomination in the eyes of God it bothers me because it grieves my father it grieves the Holy Ghost of God and it grieves what God's wanting to do with this nation It ought to bother us to see things going on. I ain't saying that we go out there with our rifles and we point guns at them saying, you've got to change and we're going to do this. No, I'm saying it ought to bother us to the point that we find ourselves in the shape that Jeremiah was in. We find ourselves broken before God. We find ourselves mourning before God and crying out, oh God, our nation's in a far country. Is not the Lord inside? He goes on down in verses 13, and he talks about a barrenness in the land. He says, Surely I will come, saith the Lord, there shall be no grapes on the vine. We're seeing this manifest before our very eyes. We're seeing a barrenness in the land. Not a barrenness of food or a barrenness of water. We're seeing a barrenness of people that is willing to stand up. I preached Wednesday night about them priests standing firm over there in the River Jordan when they crossed over into Canaan's land and I've been thinking about that all week how they stood firm and I preached on it that night and to be honest God just sort of gave that to me that night as I was preaching on it and I've been just feasting on that all week about how that big heap of water was up behind them. I don't know but just in the theater of my mind I can hear that water making noise. I can see them priests standing back and looking and seeing the danger that beheld them behind them. If that water would have been turned loose I had to wash them and the whole crowd away ark and all. But friend, despite the fact that something that could wipe them away, that could wipe their nation away, wipe their children away, despite the fact that great danger stood, my friend, just probably feet behind their back, they still stood firm. We're living in a day and an hour where there's a barrenness in the land of men and women that will stand firm upon the Word of God, that will stand firm no matter what's behind them and no matter what's in front of them. We need some men and women that will stand firm and steadfast that'll hold up the old bloodstained banner and say I love Jesus whether it's politically correct or not whether it's popular or not they'll stand up and say I love Jesus because He first loved me and I say to you this morning if you'll stand firm it won't take long to where you won't have to say I love Jesus because everybody will know that you love Jesus it's my prayer that people look at our lives and they don't say that we don't have to tell them we love Jesus. But they say, we love Jesus. Old oh, Savannah Baptist Church shouldn't have to go out in the highways and the hedges and say, oh, Savannah loves Jesus. It ought to show on our face. It ought to be in the, voice, the the words that come out of our lips. It ought to be in the conduct that we carry, that we love Jesus. He goes on down and he looks there in verse 15 and verse 16. And he tells them about a time of trouble. He says in verse 16, The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. A horse in the Bible is an animal that was used for war. They used a donkey to carry the burdens. They used a donkey to carry their stuff around. But when it come battle time, they didn't hop on their favorite donkey. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine hopping on your favorite donkey or your favorite mule and expecting to go out there and fight a battle? They'd find the biggest white horse they could find. Hey man, that's the one they wanted to use because that white horse symbolized victory. They would get on that biggest white horse they could find and they would go into battle. I can see that thing ready to go. It was snorting and ready to go. It was ready for the battle just as well as the one that was riding it was. Friend, they could hear the snorting of the horses symbolizing the judgment of God fixing to take place on their land. It was so close they could hear it. I wonder this morning if God would allow us to just roll back everything that we see and allow us to roll back the temporal, look into the eternal for just a minute. I wonder if we would ever really see just how close we are to the judgment of God. Friend, your one heartbeat away. You're one breath in and God may not ever let you exhale it. You are that close. It's so close right now, we can almost hear the fact of God calling out our name. It's so close right now, friend. We can almost hear it. God pronouncing judgment upon this land. They could hear the snorting of the horses. Can you hear the judgment of God coming? Jeremiah said, oh, my people's in a far country. But is the Lord not in Zion? He goes on down and he said, I am black and astonishment had taken hold on me. In verse 22, he said, Is there no balm in Gilead? A balm is a substance of healing, a balm is a medicine. He said, And is there no physician there? Why then is the health of the daughter of my people recovered? I want to ask you this morning this is a subject I want to preach on. Why then? There's a bomb in Gilead. Jeremiah knew that just on the east side of Jordan in a little mountainous hill country that there were some trees planted up there on a hill that somebody could go up to and they could begin to tap into the side of that tree and out would run a bomb, out would run a medicine friend that could heal his land, that could heal the diseases. It was something that was almost mystical in that day. It was something, friend, that surpassed their knowledge. It was something that they could begin to apply to a cut or apply to their self, and it would begin to heal whatever was wrong in their life. I say if we were to journey this morning to a little old hillside, outside of Jerusalem, to a place called Calvary, we would find there was a tree planted there some 2,000 years ago and there was a Roman soldier that walked up with a spear in his hand and he stuck it in the side of our Lord and Savior and out ran a bomb friend that will heal all our diseases that will cure all that is wrong in our life. I say this morning, why then are we in the shape that we're in when Jesus has made the way for us? Why then when there's healing are we still sick? Why then are we still living in sin? When God has provided forgiveness, why then are we still sin sick and foot sore because we're living in this lifestyle? Why then are we still not right with God? The summer is past, the harvest is ended, and we are not saved. The days of our prosperity is over. friend, why are we still not right? Why are we still not where we ought to be with God? There's a bomb in Gilead, and I say it's the blood of Jesus. It's a blood friend. It's his own blood. Paul said in Acts 20 and 28, he said over there, he's talking to the overseers of the flock. He said, feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He goes on down in Romans 5 and 9. He said, but we are justified through the blood of Christ. We're justified by the blood. We are brought forth by the blood. Colossians 1 and 20 he said and he has given peace through his blood uh, friend I don't know about you this morning but when I look through the New Testament in my Bible uh, I find that it's about the blood uh, and I find if we're ever going to get help uh, we're going to get help through the blood of Jesus uh, you say preacher why does the blood mean so much uh, because the life of the flesh is in the blood uh, and it's Jesus would have been able to provide us salvation any other way uh, he wouldn't have had to went to Calvary uh, he wouldn't have had to bleed and die he wouldn't have had to shed his blood for you and for me but friend the blood means so much because it cost our darling Savior his life and that blood is special blood it's sacrificial blood and it's a blood that satisfies the wrath of the Holy God when God looked in the Old Testament it took the blood of a lamb it took the blood of a bullock it took the blood of a a turtle dove or a pigeon 2016 it takes the blood of Jesus It takes the blood of Jesus for a sinner to get saved. It takes the blood of Jesus for your ways to be cleansed. It takes the blood of Jesus for you to be healed from your sin and your iniquity. I say to you this morning, why then? I hope that you'll look at your life right now. Look at your life right now. What's going on on the inside of you? Would you examine yourself for just a second? Would you ask yourself the question, what's wrong with me? There's probably some of you, you've already determined that you're lost. And you need to be saved. There's some of you, you've already determined this morning. That you're saved as anybody in here, but you're just not in the place God have you to be. There's some of you in here, you're saved and you're doing everything you can do to live for God. But there's some wounds in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's anybody in here and you've ever tried to go to work with a wound, you can't do what you ought to be doing. If you work a job that's physical and that's labor intensive, if you get a wound that's got any kind of depth at all, If you get a cut that goes any kind of depth at all, maybe a little more than skin deep, uh, friend, it hinders your work. uh, It hinders you from getting the job done. uh, It hinders you from being efficient. uh, It hinders you from doing what you're getting paid to do. You're here this morning. You're saved by the grace of God. You're doing everything you can do to live for God. But there's a cut or there's a wound in your life. Friend, it's keeping you from being the witness you ought to be. It's keeping you from having the power of God like you need. It's keeping you from being the Christian that you need to be for the cause of Christ. Then there may be some folks in here you say, Preacher, all I know is there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. That's why Jeremiah said, is there not a bomb in Gilead? And is there not a physician there? You see Gilead over there in that hill country, there's plenty of them trees. That bomb was abundant. They was enough to go around. They was enough for the whole nation. The blood of Jesus is enough. They's enough for every lost sinner from the day that he got up on resurrection morning. They's enough blood, blood that Jesus shed to save every lost sinner until Jesus comes back. Amen? It's abundant. And it's, my friend, it's able to do what you have need of. But that bomb is not worth anything until it's applied. Doctor ever give you a pill and you wouldn't take it? Somebody say, Amen, you've done it. Mom and daddy ever said, Son, you put this on there and it'll fix that? You refuse to do it. So, how about this morning Old Savannah Baptist Church? How about it, lost person? How about it, Wayward Christian? It's there. Blood of Jesus has been shed. It's been given. There's even a physician ready and waiting to apply it. But you've got to be willing to live. Would you stand this morning to your feet if I get the pianist to come? While every head's bowed and every eyes closed. How about it this morning? That bomb is available. That bomb is abundant. But it must be applied. While every head's bowed, never eyes closed. There's somebody in this building. God spoke to your heart. There's no doubt. God spoke to your heart. There's something not right on the inside. You've already determined you lost. Holy Ghost already showed you that. The Holy Ghost has already told you, but would you admit it? Would you admit it? When I got saved by the grace of God, the hardest problem I had was admitting that I was lost. Admitting I needed help. Still to this day, God has brought me a long ways, And I believe if you were to sit down and talk to my wife, she'd tell you I'm not the man that she married. I've come a long ways. I ain't perfect by no means. But even though God's brought me a long ways, there's still a nature on the inside of me that don't want to admit when I'm wrong. Friend, this morning, would you be man enough? Would you be lady enough this morning to admit that you need help? Would you wave up the flag? Say, Jesus, I need help. The ambulance ain't going to come. The fire department is not going to respond until you say, I need help. Would you come this morning? Would you step out of your pew? I admit that I'm lost and I need to be saved. Would you step out of your pew this morning? I admit that I'm lost and I need to be saved. Why then? Why then? Why would you leave here this morning? God's showing you you're lost. God's showing your friend that you're not fit for anything except the depths of the devil's hill, but in the same breath and in the same sentence that the Holy Ghost tells you that. He says, but wait just a minute. There was a way made at Calvary, friend, that you that are lost and undone without God, that have come short of the glory of God, whose righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, can be saved by the blood of Christ, and be made an heir and a joint heir with Him, an ambassador, friend, on His behalf. Friend, would you this morning just give your life to Him? Would you step out of your pew? Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I'm just saved as anybody, but I'm not where I need to be. I need healing. I need help. God already knows where you're at in your life. God already knows what's going on in your life. He's wanting to help you. He's wanting to help you. Would you come? Maybe you're here and you're doing everything you can do. Trying your best to live for God. Maybe there's an old fiery dart the other day that slipped off that shield of faith and it cuts you a little bit. Maybe you was in the heat of battle. You got a little cut. It's hindering you from being who you ought to be keeping you from being the Christian, the saved folk, the church that you all to be, would you come and say, God, I need healing. I need help. That cut could be a root of envy, jealousy. Could be just a little bit of tension between your brethren. Could be a little bit of off-killer in your marriage. That cut could just be simply that you got a little bit lazy on God. You become idle. In your life. Would you come this morning? Say God I need healing. God I need help. Jesus standing right there ready to apply that balm. Apply it to your life and give you what you need. Would you come? Would you come? God's speaking and God's dealing with your heart holy Ghost been here i felt his presence been a different service this morning i'm glad god don't manifest himself the same way every time that'd be boring wouldn't it god rearranges everything just to fit what's needed this morning and i believe god put everything in order this morning just for you just for you. If I were to go through and testify this morning of the things that God put in order in my life, you may not think much about it, but it's unreal what God done. Just to get me to an old-fashioned order that I might cry out unto Jesus. God rearranged, turned my world upside down. I didn't even know He was doing it. I didn't know what the purpose was. I thought it's just lie. We make that statement a lot of times. We say, that's just life. No, that's God working in you. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. Why? For it is God that worketh in you. Face an uneasiness and an unrest in your soul this morning. God's working in your life. And you need to figure out what God's wanting to do with you. Would you come? Would you come?